Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with hosts Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Palachek. Produced by Kernan Consulting and for the international MSB community, we are dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hey there, this is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting, and I'm here to talk a little bit about the Mastermind Peer Groups. So with the Mastermind Peer Groups, you get a powerful combination of customized coaching, accountability, and weekly synergy sessions with like-minded professionals from all around North America. These peer groups are really focused on sales, marketing, and growth. It's all about results. So I am your personal group facilitator, and you'll experience weekly accountability meetings, monthly trainings, and then quarterly face-to-face -face meetings where we all get together on a quarterly basis in fun cities all around America. So be prepared to take your business to new heights and see if you've got what it takes to be one of the Mastermind Peer Group members. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the SMB Community Podcast. This is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting, and I am here with my good friend and partner in crime, Amy Babinchek. Hey, Amy. Good morning. Good morning, James. Well, hey, we've got some cool things to talk about today. So uh, anyway, welcome back. Good to see you. And uh, I wanted to, we'll just start off with the question of the week. This is a good one. And uh, it's also a mouthful because there's a lot to be said about this topic. You and I have talked about part of this before, but the question that came in was obviously from a, an MSP business owner. And his question was, how do busy MSP business owners deal with stress? So how do busy business MSP business owners deal with stress? So there's a lot of different ways to go with that. But I'll, I'll, I guess in, in thinking about the question, maybe there's two parts of the question. One, in the moment, you know, how do you deal with stress in the moment? And, you know, you understand that. And then also, what can you do afterwards to kind of keep more of that balance or, so you don't stay, um, you don't keep that anxiety. So in in the moment and then after the moment, how how would you answer that question? Yeah, there's definitely two very different types of stress. So when I think of the in the moment stress, um, you know, I think about that to do list that's too long. You know, mm -hmm. it's you're never you know you're never going to get through it. Um, you know, but you have to do all those things. You're going to try. Um, you know, what I, what I always do is I, um, I always schedule and kind of set up my mind for what my day is going to be like the day before. Yeah. So the, the evening before I'll log into, you know, Outlook, take a look at my calendar, just pop into the emails real quick, just to sort of get a lay of the land for what my tomorrow is going to look like. And, um, then, then when I, you know, when tomorrow comes and I'm sitting down, I say, okay, what, what has to get done today? Like, so I have my like things that must be finished today, yeah. right? They're, they're, they're deadline items. They're those critical items. And there's usually not very many of them. You know, it's maybe one or two things. They're like, if nothing else happens today, these two things have to happen. Exactly. Yeah, and okay. um, for me, that's a real way of relieving stress because, you know, I might have a to-do list that's a mile long, but really I've got 
just two things that I have to do, right? <laughs> Everything else I get done is bonus material. And yeah. that that sort of turns it around and makes you feel a little bit better than, yeah, like you know, you, you accomplished. accomplished. Priorities. Yeah. I accomplished yeah. my priorities and I got these these bonus things done. So where, right. where did you learn that? Where'd you learn that? Because I, I would have answered the question the exact same way. And I, and I, I learned it from a book a uh, long, long time ago. But uh, how did you, was it just kind of uh, tricks of the trade that you just figured out over time? Yeah, I can't, I can't think of anywhere in particular that I, that I, you know, that I read about it. Like you said, you picked it up from a book. I, I can't, I can't yeah. think of that. Um so, I so I feel what? like it spontaneously occurred, but I may have you know absorbed it from the from different things that I listened to over time. Well, this this question so interesting to me because I, gosh, I I can relate to it so well. I remember the days of sitting up in bed going, "Oh my gosh, I forgot to do action item number ninety seven today." And you know, at the time, I would have a little notepad next to my bed, and I would write things down so I wouldn't forget it, and it calmed me down a little bit, so I'd go back to sleep. But who wants to wake up at three in the morning and feel like you forgot something, right? But to your point, I actually went to a uh, marketing conference a long time ago, and I saw this Dr. Hollowell speak, and he handed out a book, and the book was called Crazy Busy. And he was talking about the ADD that we have in the industry about how much information, just think of how many emails come across your desk, just emails a day, not, mm -hmm. not letters, not people coming to your door, uh, you know, not all the 50 other ways of communicating like Slack and text and phones and whatever, just email. And there are hundreds and hundreds of emails that come in. And what his recommendation was is every morning and every night, you got to do the same thing. Every morning, just like you did, I mean, technically, the day you're supposed to prepare for the day the night before. So I, I even like the night before better instead of first thing in the morning. But his concept was first thing in the morning, go to your quiet place. You can pray, you can meditate, you can do goat yoga, whatever relaxes you. <laughs> but get your head in the right space and kind of look at your calendar and go, okay, I've got a hundred things I'm supposed to do today, but what are the three most important things and then reflect on those three things and then at the end of the day you kind of go back to that same place where go to your safe place pray meditate whatever and then did i accomplish those three key things i wanted to get done and then as i started doing that as a busy business owner because i'm a taskmaster i just want to get through things uh, it it put a little bit more strategery into my day, as you were just pointing out. It it kept me a little bit calmer because I knew these three things I wanted to get done every day. So if I missed number 97, it wasn't going to stress me out because I still felt accomplished because I started my day with three important things and I reflected on my day knowing I got those three things done. So to me, that made a lot of sense. But uh you know, it, to me, it's all about preparing and then being organized during the day. And we talk a lot about this in our leadership classes as well inside the mastermind community, but leaders need to be better, better delegators. So yeah. You need oh, to yeah. <laughs> figure out what's urgent and what's important. If it's important, delegate it to someone in your team. You shouldn't be dealing with it. And if it's urgent, 
you know, people are dying or it's revenue related, you know, something like that, then to jump on it and fix it, you know, uh, but you, the business owner, you shouldn't be doing everything. You need to become a much better delegator and, uh, and, and share that workload so you don't stress out every day. So that, I think that's part one of our question. What do you do in the moment? Uh, and the other part that I know you've got uh, lots of opinions on is what do you do kind of after the moment to kind of maintain, you know, that strategic um, thought or, you know, uh, you know, so you reduce the stress in your work week. What do you do afterwards? Yeah. So, um, one other thing that I, that I do besides the, uh, you know, sort of look at, look at the, the night before, take a look and, and see what my day is like. And then that morning, you know, setting those priorities, the, the real third thing I do in the moment before I move on to, to what you asked, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, um, right. is I'll, you know, occasionally, and it, it's maybe, you know, once every two weeks or once every three weeks, you know, those little things that don't really take much time, but there's lots of them and they tend <laughs> yeah. to get pushed aside because they're not super important. Right. right. It's, yeah, um, I will just, I just will let them pile up, pile up. And when I realize that there's a pile of them, I'll just be like, okay, today I'm doing nothing but all these little things. Like I'm just going to sit down and basically it's a clear your desk day, you know, pretty much, right? Because yeah. of those, a lot of those things are little pieces of paper and that that come that you need to deal with. And so I'll just set aside a day for that. And there's a good feeling on that day too, to end, end your end of day that way. It's kind of nice for Friday. Yeah. Right. Something to do. So that that's another another thought too on ways that you can kind of um, reduce that stress. Because looking at looking at those piles of little things can be stressful too. Right. So in the in the long term, though, um, I have a uh, I have a philosophy, and and I implemented this. Um, for myself, and it, it really made a difference. And that was that um, I need to take time off every quarter. And this sounds excessive to a lot of people. They're like, they're like, oh, I can't afford that. I can't afford to take off that much time, you know, because immediately they think, you know, vacation to Myrtle Beach or something, right? right. That you don't even have to be that. It's just that you're going to take a couple of days you know, three, three, four days, something like this, and just set aside the work as much as you can, you know, find some, find some trails to walk, you know, in your, in your local area. If you can, you know, get away, but it, you know, it doesn't have to be a getaway every time. It's just a, a downtime. And right. Um, but also don't be surprised when I, when I was at the height of my busiest in running my MSP, what would happen in that downtime period that I enforced was a flood of ideas would just be released. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would, I would sit down and it was all business related, right? But I would sit down and I would write those things out. So it was all these good ideas that I had that didn't have time to get out because I was so buried in the, the day to day operations of the business 
that the next good ideas didn't have room. Yeah. And so this this quarterly time away gives you room for those ideas to to come flooding out. And that that would happen to me on airplanes or you know, any time when I'm forced to sit and not do my daily routine. That's when those good ideas come forward. And yeah. so, you know, so jot them down. It's not that you're when you're away at this, you know, quarterly time off that you're taking for yourself. It's not that you have to turn off your business 100 percent. But what you have to do is turn off your daily routine 100 percent and then give the give those new business ideas ways to to release themselves. And that in itself is going to reduce your reduce your stress. Yeah, I, I agree. So um, so you travel. That's a way for you to unwind, uh, hit the reset button. I know Carl's the same way. You know, we can tell when he starts getting grumpy. It's like, OK, Carl, you need to go on a trip. <laughs> you must not have traveled for a while, right? Right. So yeah, he, he's the same way. I, I love to travel also. Uh, that uh, That's a lot of fun. And even just traveling to events, you know, that can be fun. And you can unwind a little bit there because it's it's like you're just doing things differently and kind of reconnecting uh, with, with industry friends and learning. That's always awesome. For me, it, it goes a little deeper than that. It uh, I like kind of back to what Dr. Hollowell talked about, you know, where he, he said, go to your quiet pray place. I'm, I'm a man of faith. So I'll just say that I, to me, what calms me down is, is just praying, just being quiet and praying uh, either in the morning or in the evening. If you can do both, that's even better. But whatever I'm dealing with, that's stressing me out, creating anxiety. When I go into prayer, it just, it kind of mellows me out. I don't know how to, how else to say it. So that would be one thing I would recommend or or meditate, whatever you want to call it. Another thing, though, that if, of all the years of, um, I don't know, sports and nutrition and trying to be healthy, something else, as, as I've gotten older, right? So I've played college sports. I, I think I started team sports since I was in third grade. So I always <laughs> tried to eat right, and you always tried to take care of your body and try to exercise. I love to exercise. I've been back into a kick probably the last six months. I've been doing it almost every day. But early in the morning, I will just go to the gym and work out. And I'll do like this CrossFit class that's fast paced, cardio strength. But boy, I feel like a million. I, I feel terrible when I'm on my way there early in the morning. But when I leave, I feel great. And to me, that is like a little bit of a trigger that if I work out, I'm going to eat better that day. And you you are what you eat. You know, that's a whole nother topic we could talk about for a whole episode, Amy. But uh, that's something else to maybe consider. And I've noticed a, I have so much more energy. I um, I feel like I am have less stress and I feel so much better. Um, and I can think clearer since I've been eating a lot better over the last six months. I've been back in the gym. Uh, so... You know, that's another thing, just exercise. You know, there's something to that as well. Uh, but mm -hmm. but back to Amy's point, do what you're passionate about. You know, do what relaxes you uh, and do a little bit more of that to kind of keep that balance uh, so you're you're not filled with anxiety all the time. So, yeah, I like to go on a walk too, right? Oh, so yeah. if I do get into a, if I do get into something and 
I realized that, you know, I'm just spinning my wheels here. I'm not making forward progress. I'm getting, um, you know, you feel that anxiety building up because you're not finishing or, you know, if you're a technical person, you're not seeing the solution to this problem. Um, walk away, get up, yeah. walk away, you know, grab your dog, <laughs> you go just... for, go for, go for a walk, you know, go, you know, it's something, you know, it's just as short as a mile, you know, 15, 20 minutes, just, just go out, walk around, come back. You'd be amazed at how refreshing that can be. Yeah. Yeah. That's gosh, you just reminded me of a real quick, funny story. When I was in college, I had a, a classic Mustang. I had a 1967 Mustang GT fastback and mm. I, I was doing some body work on it. And there was a part like it's called the front valance, but it was, it's the part that goes on the body, but it's underneath the front bumper. And there were a couple rusty bolts. I, I couldn't get it off. And, uh, you know, it's one of those stories you see on YouTube of some guy underneath and he's cranking, cranking and he, and the, you know, the, the socket wrench slips and you rip all the skin off your knuckles and you throw the wrench across the room. And I was so frustrated. I couldn't get this part off. I just went inside and now take this with a grain of salt. I, uh, I went inside and I think I opened a beer and I just sat down, caught my breath. I had a beer and I went right back outside and the part came off like that. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's just changing changing your attitude makes a difference, right? right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I had, to, I had to hit the reset button. So uh, however you do it, um, you can even do it drinking a beer, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's funny. I just wanted to share that real quick. So, you know, it, it, it extends to something as simple as opening a jar. If I if I can't get that lid off, but then if I visualize it yeah. as I'm as I'm wrenching on it, as I visualize <laughs> it moving, it starts to move. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, thanks for that question. What a great question. So if any of you have questions like that, a topic that you want us to talk about and answer for you, uh, submit it to James at KernanConsulting.com. Reach out to either Amy or I. We're happy to. Uh, to field your questions and make that a topic and talk about it. All right, so of course we can't uh, we can't end the podcast without talking about the news a little bit. And uh, of course, uh, Microsoft hits the headlines this past week. They've got a, a good headline and a bad headline that uh, I grabbed. So which one do you want to talk about first? Microsoft good or Microsoft bad? I, I always gravitate to the good. So let's hear the good news. There you go. I, I, I agree with you. So they, uh, it says uh, Microsoft. So uh, this was one of the, the major headlines on, on Reuters, but uh, Microsoft set for AI powered revenue surge as stock pulls ahead. So uh, the stock is up for them. They're expected to report a almost 16% jump in quarterly revenues which is their best really over the past two years, uh, but it's really fueled on demand for AI and their cloud services. So they made the headlines in a positive way. Uh, the stock market, if you haven't been following it, has been going crazy uh, since the beginning of the year. So mm -hmm. good, good time to be in the market, but it is still very volatile, uh, I will say, but the tech stocks are doing well, including Microsoft. So thank you, Mr. Microsoft. <laughs> Right. So that, the, you know, it's interesting thing is, you know, as a trillion dollar business, 16 percent 
is I mean, that's that to me, that's a hard move, right? <laughs> a very hard move. I mean, 60% right. is bigger than probably a lot of other businesses listed on the stock market, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's a, that's, that's saying something. Um, yeah. It's also expected that it's going to continue to, to grow. You know, the, they're just, just starting to tap into the, uh, to the possibilities for AI. So um, at Microsoft, and I guess you have to give Satya credit for this. I mean, they they saw the future and they they jumped on it first, which is an unusual place for Microsoft to be. They're usually the ones that perfect the thing, but this time they're they're leading the thing. Yep. <clears throat> so the bad news item from from Microsoft, I know because I was annoyed by it myself, is that they had a lot of trouble with Teams this week. Yeah. Um, I yeah. guess there was an outage, but um, from my use of Teams, which I do use it all day, every day, it wasn't actually out in that you it didn't function at all. It just, you could tell it was struggling. Mm -hmm. So whatever mitigations they had in place, I guess, were working, but um, they uh, they had a lot of issues. I it was trying to add a lot of people into Teams because we're, we're running our Intune course and we have a Teams team set up for that uh, and you know trying to add people in last week uh, was a pain in the neck because sometimes they wouldn't sometimes they wouldn't and sometimes it was they would show up hours and hours later um, and some messages were the same way they would they would be there then they were say they were deleted and then they would come back so it, it was just it was really struggling yeah I I um I'm on Microsoft Teams and Zoom most every day. Now I didn't notice anything, but boy, uh, social media, I noticed that, you know, specifically uh, X formerly known as Twitter, there was all sorts of um, uh, posts on uh, on the outage. I guess there were more than 14,000 incidents reported, um, but here's a cool tool. If you haven't heard of it, an outage tracking website, you, you know, Amy, you're more technical than I am. So you probably have heard of it, but downdetector.com. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've that. been around for a long time. Yeah. You yeah. wonder, it helps you. Like, is it just me or is it yeah. the world? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about yeah. relieving stress. Oh good. It's not me. It's not me. Yeah. Well, you mentioned X and, you know, probably one other news item that we should we should hit on is is uh, is Tesla because um, they uh, they had their earnings call and it wasn't great news and their stock has been just in a kind of a bit of a tailspin. But they did announce something something new and we'll see if it happens. They don't have a great track record on this, but um Tesla says that they're going to start building a $25,000 EV car uh, this year. Mm. So, mm. and begin to sell it. And so um, they said it's ready to go. So yeah. hopefully that's, that is because um, there's not much in the marketplace right there for them for competition wise. So that might, could be a good thing to reverse their, their trend. I think, I think that's a great move on on their behalf. I mean, it uh, the timing couldn't be better because of all the negative publicity going on, especially with all the cold right now going through the United States. I mean, I think most most all of the states were unseasonably 
chilly uh, over mm -hmm. the past few weeks. And a lot of those electric cars, as you know, don't operate very well or operate at all uh, when uh, when it's too cold, when you're in the, the sub. Something else exciting, we've got a couple other topics to chat about, but uh, this week I've got Eric Anthony, uh, Five Minutes with a Smart Person. Eric Anthony is a channel veteran and podcaster with All Things MSP. Uh, so runs that. And he's also the director of community for Ignite. So um, Eric's a good guy. And uh, so be sure to tune into that. So five minutes with a smart person with Eric Anthony. So I like to say that I've worked on all three sides of this industry yeah. uh, because I've been both a managed service provider as well as a CIO of a group of small companies. And then I've also, and existingly, you know, now work on the vendor side of the channel. So uh, I have a different viewpoint than some people do because I can relate to all three of those viewpoints. Uh, I started out very early on before I could even drive. I think I've told this story before, but <laughs> before, you know, computers were really a thing, but as they just started coming into homes and small businesses and things like that, mm -hmm. people started asking me, because I had one early on, like I think I had one as early as 81, okay. 82, somewhere in there. And so when other people, friends, relatives, you know, neighbors, whatever, would get them, they'd say, hey, can you come help us set it up, show us how to use it, all of those kinds of things. So True. that's kind of where I got my start actually had business cards, actually charged money. It was kind of great. Nice. Um, and that just evolved into me getting a degree in computer engineering, which I've never really used. And as soon as I graduated from college, opening my first break fix and then managed service business. And then, you know, I transitioned into the vendor side of the world. So, and did I hear you correctly that you are so smart that you were able to charge money for your services to your family members? And your neighbors, did I hear that right? Mom and dad got the discount because they paid for college. There you go. So so let's talk about, you know, we wanted to talk about customer experience. What, what was your main point? Why do you think customer experience is so important today? Well, there's a couple of different things, right? The primary one being that in IT, we have a tendency to have commodity type products and commodity type services, help right. desk, you know, file sharing, whatever it is, you run the risk of, of ending up in a commodity business and therefore typically a race to the bottom, right? Right. You juxtapose that with an experience and a service that is tailor-made for a certain type of client. And now you have something that differentiates you from the rest of the market. You know, if you are, and this works especially well with verticals, right? Because if you can create a, say, realtor experience where you go out and you work mostly for realtors, you can create an experience specifically designed for the things that they use, the tools that they use, and, and how they use them and create solutions specific to them. So it kind of goes back to you know, how we used to tell people to do more solution selling rather right. than just selling the commodities, right? So let me let me jump on something that you just said, because I think it's really, really important for the listeners to pick up on that. You, you just dropped some gold there. 
first and foremost, you know, the customer experience is so important. It's an opportunity for you to differentiate yourself from all your competitors. And we talk a lot about in the coaching community and the mastermind community, we talk a lot about what are you doing that's unique? Uh, sometimes, guys, it's really hard when we do that unique selling proposition exercise. You know, I've, I've seen some really bad ones come back. And uh, I've seen some really good ones, too. But sometimes it's just you. You're unique. We all have our own God-given gifts that we can uh, to use to differentiate ourselves. But something that Eric just said there about the customer experience and how you as the business leader and your team delivers that experience and cater it to your vertical market or to your customer, uh, that's that's a, a great way to differentiate yourself. And it's so important, especially nowadays, because it's so competitive. It's really easy for our customers to go somewhere else, right? What what would be what what would you recommend to create that experience? What are some examples uh, so people can understand uh, how they could implement that in their business? So when you're looking at implementing customer experience in your business, I think you have to take a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy to actually take a look at this and say, this is the vision of the experience. This is the reaction that I want my clients to have as they're moving through their journey with me. So it, you know, you can make a journey map out of this, you know, starting with awareness, exploration, evaluation, you know, the actual sale piece and onboarding, that's critically important, their experience as a client. And then you need to calculate and have a plan and have a process in place for if they're at risk for churn. I think if you take and you map out that journey, that framework, then you can go, okay, this is what I want my business to look like at this stage. This is what I want my business to look like at this stage. And then you start filling in, okay, how do I actually fulfill on that vision? Mm -hmm. And how do I measure success of that vision? Now, obviously you've done that in your business before, so you kind of know how to do it. Are there, um, what would be a way that people could maybe get some on this or learn more about the customer experience uh, you know, from, from that side if they want to try to get training for their teams? So I, I happen to have done a video on this, on my framework uh, oh, a while ago. So it's it's actually on the YouTube channel. You go back, I think you go back a month or two. So, and we're talking about maybe December, January, somewhere, 2023, 2024, and uh, look for the live stream that I did on customer experience. And uh, other than that, there's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of great podcasts on customer experience. I think learning what it is and some of the components, like knowing your ideal customer profile, right? You have to know your ideal customer profile in order to figure out what the experience is going to look like. So there's quite a, you know, there's some steps to it, but they're relatively easy. There's a book here. Hold on. Got it right here. Uh, CX that sings an introduction to customer journey mapping. Okay. So that's, that's a really good one. And it's, and it's really, it's made for the person who doesn't have experience with customer experience yet. Now, what would be some of the benefits uh, that you've seen by implementing this in, in your business? So uh, at, at a high level, what, what are, what are some things that you've seen, Eric? So I've seen a bunch of different things. I guess if I were to narrow in on some, that are particularly valuable to the MSP, uh, look at marketing. 
there's a lot of things you can do in terms of marketing and your website and the material that's on your website so that when the right type of client is exploring you and you don't even know, right? This is part of the problem with experiences is you might not even know that this person is looking for somebody like you, but you want to make sure that your marketing is geared towards them being able to find you, them being part of your you know ideal customer profile, and then make sure that they find the material that's relevant to them. So you've got to make sure you have the content and you've got to make sure that you have it in a place that they're going to find it. So yeah. that's number one in terms of creating an experience for me. And then another one that kind of fits across the board is friction, right? You want to remove as much friction from the processes as possible. Uh, using electronic document signature instead of, you know, manual contracts that you have to scan and email back and forth. Uh, making sure that you're automating some of your help desk so that your react reaction time is faster. You know, there's all these little things, little tweaks that you can make. The hard part is getting the mindset first. And I think that's mm -hmm. what the framework does is the framework allows you to lay it out, look at it, go, I've got good experience here and here, but maybe in my onboarding, it's not so much of a great experience. So onboarding is what I need to work on next. And because onboarding is another one where if you don't get the experience right by making sure that you're delivering on the promises that you set forth in the contract, that can be a huge gap. And anytime there's a gap in expectation, it can become a problem. So when you talk about the customer experience, who, who should you as the MSP business owner, who should you be training in your team? Everybody. Okay. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but because you're looking at it holistically, from you know, cradle to grave, I like to say, um, everybody has to be involved and everybody has to know why you're doing things in a certain way to create that experience. Because if you know the, the old Simon Sinek start with why, if you don't explain to them why they're supposed to be doing doing something, it doesn't have as much meaning to them, and then it just doesn't come out in their actions. Yeah, your your comments in our discussion right now reminds me of a. Uh podcast interview I had probably about two months ago with uh, Lisa Shore and of Shore Success. So mm -hmm. uh, like Eric, like myself, Lisa's a recovered MSP business owner. And she was telling me a story about, and we've all been there, done that, right? Most MSPs don't have salespeople. The owner operators are the salespeople. And then you rely on your engineers and your technicians who in some cases are just wicked smart, men's a smart, right? But they don't have very good communication or per personal skills. And something Eric said that was really important is you got to remove the friction. I don't know. I think I think Saturday Night Live had a real funny skit years and years ago called the uh, Nick, the computer guy. And he was just the most condescending person like, oh, yep. you got user error. Get out of the chair. Let me show you how to do it, you idiot. And he would come in and, and fix it. You know, uh, her story basically was her brightest and most expensive engineer didn't know how to communicate very well and, and honestly really pissed off a customer and they fired them. The customer called Lisa, fired them and said, well, what happened? And then the customer only elaborated a little bit, but she figured out ultimately what happened and uh, decided to kind of take her customer experience up to the next level 
and really focus on soft skills training and communication training to enhance that customer experience that yep. Eric's talking about. So, uh, you know, you're, you're spot on. I asked a loaded question too a minute ago, uh, you know, uh, who should you train? I was, I was expecting you to say either everybody or all customer facing employees, you know, not just salespeople or customer service reps. So anyway, virtual high fives, because you get five stars, you answered it right. <laughs> well, and, and, and actually going back to Lisa's experience, because that is extremely common in our industry, right? Because right. technical people tend to have a certain type of personality. Yes. You know, I don't want to throw a blanket over everybody, but there is a certain demographic that fits that. And, yeah. uh, but there are tools out there now. Like, I think soft skills, there's no replacement for that training. I think it's absolutely something that you should do. But there's actually a vendor out there now. It's called Nine Minds that has developed kind of a go-between the technician and the customer in terms of ticket communication, which mm -hmm. I think is very interesting. Right. Uh, and they've had some very early success with it. So I think it's something definitely to follow. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, what you're saying today and what Lisa was saying a couple of months ago, boy, just, I, I've always been an extrovert. I've always been able to communicate and speak in public. It, that was always easy for me. Uh, so typically as a leader in the business, I was always focused on sales and marketing and, and it, it wasn't until I started managing larger teams of people and I realized that most highly technical people are introverts. They really struggle with some of the soft skills of just eye contact, body language, shaking people's hands. Uh, those things that we all take for granted, a lot of people don't know how to do that properly. And, um, you know, so as a leader of your organization, these things are all so important, uh, again, back to the customer experience to make it a positive one. Any other thoughts on, on customer experience or what you've seen going on today in the industry? So actually, I wanted to tag on to the employee part of what we just talked about, okay. because customer experience is one piece, right? And it's an extremely important piece, and it will definitely uh, differentiate your business from another. But another thing that you can do is once you have this journey in place, yep. you can also look at, okay, what's the employee experience at each of these steps? So that you not only are synchronizing your customer experience, but you're synchronizing your customer experience with your employee experience and making it good for everybody. Uh, but, but Eric, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, th probably the easiest way is LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me obviously just by searching for Eric Anthony. And then if you tag the three letters MSP on the end, uh, I'll be the first one that comes up or just search for all things MSP across LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram. And yeah, it'll pop up. Any final words of wisdom to, uh, to the folks out there for uh, a successful 24? I would just say 2024 is, is going to be interesting for a lot of different reasons, right? But I think one of the most interesting is how are MSPs going to engage their clients in AI? I think mm -hmm. there are a lot of opportunities that might not be easy to see around packaging AI services by MSPs to their clients. And uh, so I think there's a big opportunity there for the right MSPs that know how to look for it. Yep, exactly. Well said, well said. Everybody, that's going to be a wrap for Amy and I today. Thanks for joining in. We'll catch up with you all next week. 
take care and fire up. Mm-hmm.